Hey guys, welcome back to the Paradigm Project. Uh, we are here with Emily Checkets and Luke. What's your last name? <laughs> Petrie. Luke Petrie. <laughs> um, and today we're going to be talking about self care and how you can like mind body connection and things like that. And so let's get right into the introduction. So Emily Checkets, who are you? Who am I? What a loaded question. Um, I. I'm a Paradigm alumni. I think that's the most relevant piece of information to this place. Um, I did not graduate in 2019, finished Paradigm in 2019. Um, I who, grew up in Draper, Utah, um, spent a whole bunch of time here in Salt Lake Valley. I'm now living in UV, at, in Orem, going to UVU. Uh, I have a dog, and that's about me. Sick. I don't want a dog. <laughs> me too. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Toothless. Uh, is he that. actually toothless, or is He's that just... black? Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> 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 okay, what about you, Luke Petrie? Who are you? Okay, uh, I'm Luke. Uh, very similar to Emily, I chose not to graduate back in 2019. Uh, so we. Um, I don't know. We were crazy. We are crazy, <laughs> I suppose. Um, yeah, since since graduation, I have uh, I've done a lot of traveling around. Um, I've spent uh, you know a couple months in India, Jerusalem, Egypt, Japan. Um, gone to Turkey a couple times, um, and just kind of gone all around the world. Um, uh, yeah, I, I used to be a professional free runner. Uh, so I did flips and crazy, you know, things for a living. Um, and yeah, you know, at this point I'm just, uh, kind of living life, <laughs> <Right>. surviving day <laughs> yep. to day. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. Free running. I, I don't even, like, I think about free running and I'm like, I could never, <laughs> I could never do anything just like takes that. just take starting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't know. Uh, what are you studying in college, Emily? Computer science. And what got you interested in that? My dad works as the VP of engineering at Overstock. And so he's been in tech, the tech world, my whole life. Right. And um, I was going to be a poli-sci major. Um, ooh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to be a poli-sci major in large part because of Paradigm. And then I realized that the political sphere is nothing like Paradigm. Right. And um, yes, decided to switch my major, but wasn't sure what to go with. And my dad was like, hey, try coding, pro coding, coding class just to see if you like it. And I fell in love. So that's what yeah. I've been doing since. That's so cool. It's sick. And... You said you were traveling, but is there anything else education-wise, yeah, or are you doing anything? Um, yeah, so I'm not doing any school. Um, I've been mainly just focusing on personal passions. Uh, I make music. Uh, I make films. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I love to read, so I guess that's how that's I'm sick. continuing yeah. my education. Uh, which just lots and lots of reading and making things. Uh, making things is just like if I can make anything, I'm 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 down for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then you know traveling around has kind of been my school, uh, to be honest. Um, so it's been it's been really good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think that's super cool. I think um, 
reading and travel are probably the two best ways we can educate ourselves after after school. And you actually reminded me of, of a quote um, that's hanging up in one of our classrooms. Um, Mark Twain said, the travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. And that's kind of what that reminded me of. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. He's a brilliant guy. Oh, yeah. I, I would definitely have to, yeah, have to have to agree with you there. Like a lot of the things that like, just a lot of the ways that, the how, how I see the world uh, and just my ways of thinking have been completely shifted by spending time with completely different cultures. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's probably so. So, yeah, I'm not going to school, but like I'm going to school. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So would you say like traveling has been more beneficial for you than anything else or like? What has traveling been to you other than travel itself? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I tend I tend to stray away from uh, touristy traveling. Right. Um, I tend to spend at least a month wherever I go, um, so that I can really understand the culture and really, um, yeah, r- really learn as much as I can. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I think it's been one of the most beneficial things I could have done with the last few years since uh, since I finished high school. Um, yeah, just because it's shown me like it takes you outside of yourself. We get into a lot of like. I, I mean, just inside our own heads, but like within our communities, within our friend groups, within our country, especially we get really caught up in a lot of things, a lot of politics, a lot of opinions, a lot of whatever it may be. Uh, and thinking that it's like the most important, crazy thing in the world. You step outside for a second and you see like children with no clothes on their backs walking along a street without parents begging right. for food. And you go, oh, OK, so like this thing that I've been worrying about back in America, yeah. like well, maybe it's not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is interesting to think about. I can't remember what it was, but I was thinking about something similar where I was like, I just need to be more grateful for what I have. <laughs> um, actually, my friend, he's in, he's in Ghana right now, and he mm. called me yesterday and was like, oh, yeah, we have chickens everywhere and dirt roads, and we have a water tank that we get our water from. And I'm like, oh, I have a faucet and... <laughs> a bed, you know, and like all these, like a stable house and everything like that. And, you know, the weather's pretty boring here, so it's not rainy or insanely dry, but like just being grateful for the things that I have have been good for me, but Mm -hmm. also it's been interesting to see the viewpoint from people around the world and stuff like that. So. And on the subject of health, I think that's something that's like really, really important where, um, like mindfulness of that. Do you, do you think in, in your travels, um, seeing all this has helped you be more mindful of the things that you have or don't have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, like I said, like, I mean, I think that's one of the most stark examples is, you know, little children on the streets without any food. Um, but you think about like, um, you just see that the way that other, the, uh, the way that other cultures and peoples live. Um, and, you can learn a lot, especially from people who live with almost nothing about what it really means to be healthy, um, especially physically healthy. These people who just like, like 
live for a very long time. The Japanese, for example, live for a very long time. They look young for a very long time. You can be 80 and look like you're 57 in Japan. Um, and it's not, I mean, that's, that's a fairly common occurrence. Um, you see in places like Egypt, uh, hospitals are few and far between. Um, but on every street, there's an apothecary who just has medicinal herbs and oils and, uh, you know, natural, just natural ointments and ways of healing and, um, and of actually finding health from the earth. Um, and it, it really sort of pulls your perspective away from like, from like needing to go and take drugs or, you know, spend thousands and thousands of dollars in a hospital for really little things. If you can just learn like, oh, what does this herb do? What does, you know, and so that it's really kind of changed my perspective and helped me realize um, how much we can gain from the earth um, and from just living a healthy lifestyle um, that can really, really help us. Right. I think that's interesting. And I want to bring this up to you, Emily, if you're okay with that. Um, What do you think, like, not only being grateful for the things we have, but also using the things of the earth and not trying to, you know, create things like man-made things in order to help us, but like really embodying the earth in stuff like that to live healthier and happier? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a big one if we're talking about mental health, um, my roommate right now is studying to be a social social worker. And so she's going to be a therapist. And one of the things that she's been learning is how, um, how do I say it? How overproduced and overprescribed um, mental health drugs are and how detrimental they are long-term and how um, there's that... Okay, yeah, there's that turn, there's that, like, the uh, mindset we have where people are, like, some people just have chemical imbalances in their brain, right? right? Like, some people just, that has actually not been proven at all. Um, They did those studies on people's brains with chemical imbalances, quote-unquote, after those people had already taken medicine, right? Like, pre-med brains don't actually have incur- incurable chemical imbalances, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it's not until we mess with them that they do. Um, my And then, like, going physically, right? Um, oh, there's so many layers. Um, there's a documentary that I, re- that I watched on YouTube um, my senior year called Grounding. It's an hour long, and it's phenomenal. It talks about the effects that just sitting on the earth have on uh, your body. And how incredibly potent that can be. Yeah. Um, like the layers of connecting with the earth and how beneficial those can be are unending, right? Like there's there's no end to those benefits. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could talk for days about that. Right, one. yeah. <laughs> we, we joke about like touching grass. But like, like genuinely. Like we say like <laughs> go touch grass is like an insult a lot of the times, but it's like, no, actually like the impact that taking your shoes and socks off and standing on grass for 10 minutes in the morning can have on your day. Like unreal, unreal. Yeah. Well, um, and you're also getting sunshine too, which is even like, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. All of that. D in our yeah. Is unreal. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, going back to the mental health thing, like so many of these massive mental health issues that we believe we have are so environmentally pat impacted, right? Like if you just switched up your environment a little bit, there was <laughs> there was a third world country. I can't remember what it was, what country it was, but they, um, America offered it like there was a whole group of um, volunteers going to them to offer all these meds, right? And one of the meds they were giving them was antidepressants. And these people were like, we have antidepressants. And they were like, what do you mean? And they gave this example of the one of the local villagers who had become, he had become injured and so he had been working in a rice field before, right, before his injury. And then he became injured and working in the rice field was extremely painful for him and he wasn't able to do it anymore. And so he became really depressed and he wasn't able to get out of bed. He wasn't motivated to actually go to work because it was so painful. Um, and the village saw this and knew that there was a problem. And so they gave him a cow. Right. And suddenly this man was getting out of bed because he had a cow and he, <laughs> he was able to produce milk and to sustain himself, right? Himself, right? Um, they're like, that's my antidepressant. That's our antidepressants. We have a cow. Right. Like <laughs> when we fix these environmental issues where we think that like we're broken. Right. When in reality, our job sucks and <laughs> we're not connecting with people and our diet is awful. We're not taking care of our bodies on any level. And we're so convinced that somehow our bodies are broken and that this is just how we function. When in reality, we've just screwed ourselves over. We've just <laughs> put right. ourselves yeah. in the worst position to ever be happy. We've kind of delved into this topic of um, health and its relationship with society. Mm -hmm. How does society, how does it prevent us from cultivating a healthy lifestyle and how can we change it to help us? <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about this a little bit before we came. My, in my experience, so I, I struggled with an eating disorder when I was younger and it doesn't affect me nearly as much now, but um, one of the biggest realizations I had was how much money is made off of people's insecurities, right? Um, how much money and how how willing all of these corporations are to lie to you if you're going to believe their lie, right? If you're going to buy their product, they will tell you anything, right? <laughs> um, and so if we're talking about societal society keeping us from being healthy, I think one of the biggest things is how many myths there are about what it means to be healthy, right? And what it looks like to be healthy. Um, in the 90s, whew, in the 90s, it was really, really rough. And um, 1,200 calorie diets for women were completely normalized, right? That's absolutely insane. Um, and uh, like the, they called it the, oh shoot, the heroin aesthetic. That's what they call it now. But the heroin aesthetic where all the celebrities were basically just heroin addicts, absolutely gaunt, right? They were completely emaciated and uh, like their bodies looked like they were unable to sustain life, right? But <laughs> but that That's was terrible. the that was the look. That was the yeah. the desirable yeah. feminine body. And masculine also wasn't that great. But like, yeah. So societally I would just say all the fads, all the the layers of lies that we're just giving money to right it's an extremely extremely big business uh yeah. emily brought up the money that goes into it. it's an extremely extremely big business uh to yeah to make people feel really insecure one of the funniest 
like just like kind of tangible examples that I have of that is the fact that at, at Barnes and Noble, the dieting section is larger than the education and psychology section combined. Um, My goodness. It's a lot, a lot of books about how to lose weight, how to do it fast, the secrets, the tips, the hacks, the, you know, and, and, uh, and it's really interesting. Oftentimes when you see people talking about doing things fast or the secrets or the, you know, the, the hacks on how to completely change something with your body, with your mind, with your health mentally or physically, um, it tends to be people who are trying to make a quick buck instead of get you healthy quick. Um, A phenomenal example of that is um, there's a really, really famous book uh, called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't about health, but this is a prime example of someone who exploits people's insecurities. Uh, In this instance, their monetary financial insecurities uh, to get a lot of money. So it was found out after the fact, after Think and Grow Rich became a international bestseller, yeah. that Napoleon Hill was a con man. Uh, and he was working together with a lot of these other foundations uh, and, and people who were in this vein of like self-help um, to essentially exploit people's insecurities knowingly and make a lot, a lot of money. Um, and he was, yeah, after the fact, yeah, it came out. Oh, wait, he's actually a con man. Yeah. Um, and this is pretty widespread across almost any genre of self-help, whether it's mental, physical. It's a big deal. Yeah. That's interesting. We're so invested in changing and, and bettering ourselves that we're willing to give. Right. Anything. Yeah. People know that. <laughs> I think it's interesting how, though. Um our society as a whole has become so focused on instant gratification. And so when we're presented with a really quick, easy solution to get something done, um, that has a really strong pull on us, I think, um, which can can lead to this kind of exploitation. How, how do you think the idea of these quick fixes has influenced your health journeys? <clears throat> um, <laughs> so, yeah. That's a great question. Do you have anything to say about that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, I think really like hmm, the easy fixes are really easy to digest, right? Like they're, they all sound so good and there's so many promises made. Um, And so I think really like being able to interpret things, right? Um, And our generation is better at that than past generations I saw. A statistic. I don't remember what the statistic, statistic was, but basically boiled down to boomers are unable to look at headlines and see what is propaganda and what's not, right? Like it takes them a lot longer to di- dissect um, word choice within like articles and stuff like that. Whereas Gen Z is a lot better at picking up on manipulative wording, right? Because we've been so submerged in it since we were so young. And so I think our generation is coming to an understanding of this, right? We're, we're a lot less likely to buy those fad magazines that are like, lose 10 pounds in a week, right? Like, we're a lot better at uh, ignoring that type of stuff. Um, but I think really getting good at um, 
finding the real research on what impacts your body and being okay with not knowing it all, right? Like, I think there's also an unhealthy obsession with being this ultimate idea of health, ideal of health and being okay with just living life sometimes, right? Like sometimes it's healthier for you to eat that garbage or <laughs> to just be able to get that A or right, like sometimes it's healthier to make sacrifices to, to your hypothetical health um, than it would be to sacrifice your mental health for your physical health. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I'm guilty of that a lot. I, I know I, I try to live a healthy lifestyle and a lot of the time um, in that process, I'll um, like heck, look up different studies and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing is just trying stuff out and seeing how it affects how you feel and your energy levels and, yeah. and things like that for yourself. Bodies are so different. Yeah. yeah. I think something interesting with that is not necessarily the health, but I've been down the get rich quick, you know, yeah. type of thing. You yeah. know, you're on YouTube and you're like, oh, I need <laughs> to make a little bit of money. You know, it's it's fun. And, you know, you can be like, oh. I could get something out of this. And then you do it and it's like, I did not get anything out of this, <laughs> you know? And that's a pretty quick way to see falling into stuff like that. And I mean, there's other things that it would take longer to notice what you're falling into and things like that. And I think that applies with money, with health, with anything like that. And it's interesting how you were saying the marketing for like boomers and stuff like that, where they can't digest headlines and stuff like that. But we're also our generation gen z is so thrown into so many things that is also bad for us you know mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah. so like mm -hmm. they were still easily manipulated they were easy easily manipulated through the word choices right but we're easily manipulated by tons of sources telling us the one Sheer thing balls. you know right yeah. Yeah. yeah tiktok oh my again my roommate who's studying social studies um was freaking out because she kept getting all of these ads for Adderall and ways to get access to yeah. this site. Like it's a, it's a drug, right? It's, it is a stimulant right. um, without any background checks. The, that was the whole advertising, right? was like, you don't have to go to a therapist. You don't have to get diagnosed. Just take this Adderall. You'll be fine. No consequences, right? Well, <laughs> Adderall is basically meth. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally one chemical strain, one molecular strain away from methamphetamine yeah yeah yep. Uh, yep. yeah it's intense stuff right and they're and they're advertising it that and birth control to these t young girls the whole point of the birth control ad was that you could get it without your parents ever seeing it right like right, they, would, yeah. they would send it to your house disguised as something right which means these 13 or younger girls are potentially taking hormonally impactful drugs which can be so detrimental and who knows Right, if they're if they're being advertised on TikTok, right, yeah. what is the quality there? Where is the testing? <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> right? Like, what what is the sourcing for that? So, so sources, sources. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that one of the most important distinctions to be made here is that there is a. It's not even. It is not. It's like it's not a fine line. Like it is a major <laughs> major difference between actual health and the effects of medication. Right. Um, medication is a bandage. It can help. A, it helps a lot of people. Um, it helps relieve a lot of people from pain, from um, a lot of really terrible side effects uh, of certain illnesses, ailments. Uh, 
but it also creates just as much as it helps relieve. Um, and, and yet again, it's a quick fix. Um, true health, while it may in times go hand in hand and come with some medication, some, you know, some pharmaceuticals and other things, true health takes a long time. Yeah. So anything that is advertised as being able to instantly fix your symptoms, um, is never going to actually be fixing the problem. I think there's a huge difference there, the wording, the fix versus heal. Um, my little sister actually goes here, but she um, had juvenile arthritis and she was diagnosed when she was 10 with this juvenile arthritis. She was, her fingers were swelling up and her back was in pain. Like she was becoming an old woman, right? At 10 years old. And my mom took her to the doctor and the doctor was like, yeah, the only option we have is this this medication that's basically chemo um, and it will stop the symptoms where they are, but it's not going to heal anything. It's not going to fix it, but it will like stop her, like any, it, her pain from getting worse. Right. Um, it can also make her infertile. So just as a caveat, oh, yeah, yeah. You're you know. year old, maybe not having children, eventually, right. right. Like, but you know, it'll, it, it, it'll, it. it'll, she it'll pause, you know, like, she will have to have this. Yeah. This is the only option you have to go with this. And my mom asked the doctor, she was like, what about, what about dietary like changes? What about stress management? Right. And the doctor was like, that has never been proven to impact uh, arthritis whatsoever. And my aunt has arthritis and has been able to help it with, with dietary issue, like uh, changes. And so my mom knew immediately that that was incorrect. And the doctor was a rough one. (laughs) And, um, was like, you, would you take the pizza and ice cream away from your 10-year-old? And my mom was like, you would take children away from my little girl, right? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, again, like the whole medication can create just as many issues as it, as it gives. And my mom was able, my little sister was able to uh, go on an elimination diet. And now her arthritis is basically gone symptomatically. Um, and she's able to now eat normal foods again, just fine. But uh Otherwise, she could now be completely screwed up that way. <laughs> right. And, and this is not to scare anyone if you're on medication or feeling as though no. you need to take medication away from doing so. Um, but I, I think that the biggest thing is is that um, you just need to be aware um, and understanding of the fact that drugs do not heal. They fix symptoms. Um, and what actually heals is the right kind of food, the right kind of people, the right kind of environment, the right kind of mindset. Um, and and that is what actually is healing to a person versus fixing to a person, which is yeah. an important distinction, as Emily said. And, and sometimes medications are needed to uh, stabilize, right? Like sometimes a bandage is needed to stop bleeding or to, or to just create a safe environment so that you are able to get those resources later but yeah right modern medicine is good but what isn't good is is the level of exploitation and misinformation that surrounds it and Mm -hmm. that's that's what i was gonna say is you don't this isn't to scare anyone it's just to say that there are many options don't Mm -hmm. feel like the Mm -hmm. um yeah have you ever if you ever looked up the uh white coat white coat phenomenon, I believe it is called, is when when someone walks in with a white doctor's coat, you're 
immediately your your brain accepts that whatever they say is significantly more uh, trustworthy than anyone else in the room, whether or not they have any credentials, right? Um, right. So just being aware of the fact that doctors are very educated, but they're not the only source of information. Mm-hmm. It's like, as with anything, you just always educate yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, don't take people's word for it. And I mean, it's always good to look for people you can trust and um, get their opinions. Yeah. But you have to make the decision yourself using the, all the information you can possibly have available Absolutely. to you. Well, and personally, I mean, it's not the greatest mindset, but sometimes I just don't want to deal with things, right? And like really, <laughs> you know, try, I guess I could yeah. say, you yeah. know, sometimes you're just not motivated to do things and that's mm-hmm. fine. And like medication is easy, you know, yeah. and it, you know, it works for what people need and stuff yeah. like that. So what mm-hmm. would you respond to somebody being like, oh, I don't want to go down that route because what I'm doing works and I don't, you know, I don't really care. Um, I mean, like, do it until you can't anymore. Yeah. Do it until it no longer suits your needs. And if you need to find something that suits your needs further, uh, look somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience with friends and people who have taken medication, uh, eventually it, it gives out, right? Like the body adapts to the chemical imbalances and that's specifically, specifically talking about mental health, um, meds, but, uh, yeah, like Luke said, whenever... Yeah. Whenever it starts feeling wrong for your body. Right. This is, yeah, it's in there. No, no, you know, it's not, it's not anti-medication. It's just, it doesn't work for everything. Um, and there are a lot of other ways of really finding health. Um, uh, but it does work for things and it does help a lot of people. Um, and neither of us are experts. Uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but we have also had, uh, both of us, you know, as far as I understand, uh, an entire lifetime of experience so far uh, with no medications and lots of, uh, you know, lots of success in remaining physically healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been, you know, kind of personal experience there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm genuinely curious going from mental health to physical health, like, I personally really like physical health. I'm totally into that. The gym is my go-to for anything really and just exercise, you know, jumping out of bed, doing push-ups, anything like that, you know, and it's helped me, you know, with stress, with other things in my life, stuff like that. It's been really good. So what is your experience with physical health and how that's affected not only your mental health, but also your personal lives Mm -hmm. and things like that? Um, I think everybody is different. And a lot of times we do like a one size fits all. I was doing so much cardio for so long <laughs> and and that's all that's really advertised to women, right? right. Like um, there's a lot of HIIT workouts, there's a lot of sometimes Pilates, but that is basically, in my opinion, glorified yoga and I don't love it. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of workouts that were advertised to women that just did not fit my body. They were not fulfilling and they got really old really quickly. Um, and then I found weight training and I am obsessed, right? So I think my biggest thing that I've learned in dissecting my relationship with fitness and with, um, yeah, the gym, right, uh, is just finding what feels good. And that is so individual. My little sister loves yoga and feels so fulfilled by that. But every time I do yoga, I come away feeling like just gross. <laughs> and so 
like unfulfilled. So I think, yeah, really diving deep into experimenting with what feels, what fulfills your needs physically. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think fitness should feel like miserable, you know? (laughs) No. In fact, I think it should. (laughs) (laughs) Well, miserable on what level, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So many studies on enjoying what you do with your body, right? Um, Food-wise, if you don't enjoy your food, you don't absorb nutrients. Right. Your body will literally just push it through your system because it believes it's poisonous, right? If you're not liking what you're eating, why are, your body's confused? It's like, <laughs> <What's>, huh? <laughs> what are we doing? All right. <laughs> What's supposed to be done? So there was a study that they did, I think it was like Irish women and like <sighs> some like African woman, like tribal food. And so completely different food, yeah. food groups, right? right? Completely different food. They had them cook food and switch switch meals. And the vitamin absorption from these foods, like 30% different, right? right? Like yeah. you, your body just hates it. So, and the same goes for fitness. Like if, if you are hating your workouts, your body will like shut down. And you, that's why you're unmotivated to work out. It's because your body hates it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it, uh, there are so many times, like I, I try to work out um, regularly if I, if I can. Um, and... I think there's always this kind of idea that, oh, if you do just like a couple more reps, push yourself just a little bit harder, you'll, you'll see more visible results. A lot of the time it feels like working out for appearance rather than for individual health. Um, and I think while sometimes it, it's good to push yourself, um, workouts need, need to be strenuous. We need to, to push ourselves, but we don't have to absolutely destroy ourselves and then we'll just never want to come back to it. We'll end up dreading our workouts every time we come to them and not want to continue them and create the habit that's so necessary to have physical health. And I think the difference there is intention, right? If you're if you're pushing yourself because you hate where you're at, it's miserable, right? Like you're never gonna that's that's just self hatred perpetuated, right? Um, into an action. If you are pushing yourself because you want, you genuinely, genuinely want to be better, and that's what you're focused on. If you're focused on um, a specific goal or something along those lines, rather than where I'm at is the worst. Um, yeah, intentions are everything. Yeah, I think it's like. I also think that the term, uh, the terms fitness or working out are extremely vague in general and often confuse and scare a lot of people off from actually wanting to get into fitness or working mm-hmm. out, so to say, uh, because it's like, okay, walk into a gym. There's a whole bunch of people here who look like they know what they're doing. What do I do? Um, so this is like, I just want to like plug, like, like, like we've been saying, it's, um, there are a lot of different ways to be fit uh, that are going to fit each person's body type and personality type um, and actually help them to enjoy it a lot more. Um, I personally, I hate going into like regular gyms. Like, oh, I hate it so much. It makes me just like feel like so weird and I do not like it. And, uh, and just like regular working out with like, with, you know, weights or running or whatever is fine, but it usually ends up making me more miserable. (laughs) Um, And so my whole life, I've gotten really, really into more extreme sports. I started with rock climbing when I was really young. 
um, rock climbed a ton, uh, mountain biking, uh, and then from from rock climbing and mountain biking, I got into parkour and free running. Um, like I said earlier, and that like completely, that completely changed like my entire perception of working out, quote unquote. Um, it was so fun. Um, and to be able to find something like that, that brings you that joy, um, and is really, really fun is so, so crucial. Um, like, like I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like, like, especially like in rock climbing too, and in free running, it's like, it was like putting a puzzle together. So it was often a mental workout as well as a physical workout because, you're trying to figure out where your hand or your foot goes next on the rock wall. You're trying to figure out, okay, if I'm stringing together a line of flips and tricks or whatever else while I'm free running, okay, I can put this movement here. I can, uh, after this movement, I need to take a step in this direction to get to the next obstacle. Then I can go up on top of this obstacle and time and distance this flip in the right ways so that right. I can move directly and smoothly to the next obstacle. And it became this mental and physical challenge that was extremely gratifying to me. Um, and there are a lot, a lot of different sports and movements and um, other things like that 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 are really, really fun. So it's like if you ever found yourself struggling to work out or get into fitness, maybe consider not just going into the gym if that makes you feel weird or miserable or like uncomfortable and consider that there are so many other mediums uh, that are a lot of fun and really like, yeah, really, really helpful. I saw a study this week that I, I'm obsessed with this type of stuff. Um, again, the mental impact that your, the, your mindset has around your body um, they did a study where they had a whole group of people imagine that they were working out and then another group of people actually work out, right? So they gave the one group of people like an actual workout to imagine they were doing and then the other group they actually had work out. And while the group that actually worked out had a 30% increase in muscle mass, the other group had 13%, which isn't nearly as big, but that's still half as much. That is, that's still ridiculous, right? You, they did nothing different. Their body was just convinced that they were. And so they actually gained muscle. They also, there was also another study where they um, took a whole bunch of hotel nurses or hotel uh, maids and they <laughs> told half of them that they, they just implied, they were like, hey, your job is kind of physically strenuous. You know, like I bet you're burning a lot of calories. I bet like, yeah, like this is kind of like working out, right? And after like a couple months, that group of nurses that they had told that had lost like a significant amount of weight in comparison to the other group who hadn't lost any just by the fact that they had believed that their job was act and uh, was working their body right so there's a whole bunch of like just mindset shifts right right like going on a walk could be just as impactful for your body as it would be if you were to just go to the gym once a week if that's all you can get yourself to do right that's a subject that's so so fascinating to me mm -hmm. And it's something I've kind of gotten into in the, in the past. I read a book called Peak um, by Anders Ericsson. And it kind of gets into that topic where we have these mental representations. And when we build those mental representations and um, what, what's in our head, that, can, that becomes something that's real. My old guitar teacher, I, I play um, some musical instruments. 
And my old guitar teacher told me um, during my time with him that when I get the chance, if I don't have my guitar with me, but I, I still need to practice, right? He told me to just kind of imagine how it feels, imagine the movements, imagine um, what I'll actually be doing. And I actually felt the difference. I, I felt it translate into when I actually did have my guitar and I was practicing. Yeah, athletes do that all the time. If you hear any, like so many interviews with so many athletes talk about how just imagining what they'll do before a game, imagining that dunk, right? It translates to the game really, really instantaneously. Well, and like a lot of bodybuilders, it's not necessarily imagining, but they'll, um, at least from my experience and things I've heard, is that they'll go and they'll flex in the mirror and they'll tell themselves that they're getting bigger, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And I mean, there's steroids and stuff that's in the game. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's something that happens. And, but there is, something there you know there is noticeable progress if you're telling yourself you know you're looking at your body and you're like flexing in the mirror and you're like wow i'm getting somewhere you know yeah. and i'm doing something your body's gonna grow more than if you're like you know you're pumping the iron but then you go in the mirror and you're like oh my gosh where is my you know where's <laughs> my muscle like where is that tone that i need yeah. you know and stuff like that and i've noticed that in myself where I started working out because I wanted to look good, you know? And I was like, wow, I really hate the way I currently look and stuff like that. And so um, I would look, you know, I would look in the mirror, I'd go on the scale and I'm like, why am I not bigger? You know, why am I still this skinny little kid? And then I would, I started finally, I was like, you know, I need to flex in the mirror and I need to tell myself that I'm getting bigger and I, you know, I'm, I'm a strong boy now and stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, but it's definitely, it was a mindset switch from putting myself down and saying, oh, I can lift this weight. Why am I not seeing that I can lift that weight to, wow, I lifted that weight. Let's see if I can, you know, lift a little yeah. bit more and look at where I've come from the beginning to where I am now. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, years ago, back when I was, free running like actually I, I i was on more of a professional level uh i would visualize i would teach myself new flips new variations of flips off of your hands or off of my elbows uh with different twists different angles uh i would teach myself different new flips predominantly through visual visualization um what may have taken someone five hours of direct like tactile training in a gym to get a certain flip uh, I would I would visualize a few days before I would go in for a training session and I would get it within 30 minutes right um, and I would do the same thing in competition as well um, whenever I would compete I would visualize the specific run that I wanted to do for weeks before I would compete and I, I never, I never had uh, competition runs that I was super dissatisfied with or that I made mistakes on. Right. Uh, because I would visualize and I would get my competition runs correctly pretty much every time through visualization. That's sick. And I think not physical health or anything like that, but musically, also with Michael, I have seen. Like I'll watch videos of people playing the bass or anything like that. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that, you know? And I just look at them doing it. And then I'm like, oh, I can do it now, you know? And it's like these little things where like you pluck in a certain way or you put your finger down in a different way. And it's you couldn't necessarily tell by the noise, but you can definitely tell by the way that they're doing it that it's different, you know? 
and it's it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so sick. We talked a little bit about like um, exercising from a place of self hatred versus exercising from a place of self love, and this kind of reminds me of that because um, instead of thinking about where you're at and how it's it's not as good as something else, we're thinking about where it can be and how we can get there. Um, we're looking into the future with hope and belief that we can make it happen. So we are out of time for this episode. <laughs> um, at the end of every episode, we have a challenge to take away. Um, and I was wondering if Luke, if you could do a challenge and if Emily, you could take a, you could give a takeaway for this episode for us. Mm. Okay. Um, my challenge would just be to look deeper into the places where you are getting the things that are most crucial to your health. So whether that is your sources of food, your sources of water, your sources of media intake, uh, your sources, uh, your environment, um, how much time you're spending in the sun, how much time you're spending in the grass and in the mountains. Um, what is the water that you are drinking? Where is that coming from? Do the companies who own the water that you're drinking care about you or do they care about money? Do the companies that own the food that you are eating every single day care about you or care about money? Um, how are these major corporations exploiting people, including you, for money that you just don't even realize because you just eat it every day and it's becoming a completely normal part of your life? Take a deeper look into the sources of where you find health. Um, and if you see something you don't like, make the change. Um, I think the takeaway that I would want from this is just that your body knows what it wants. Your body knows what health looks like for it. And it's going to be completely different. So the magazine that you're reading or that Instagram post knows nothing about you and how your body <laughs> will react to anything that it's offering to you. And so really diving deep into what makes your body actually feel at its best um, without any shoulds, according to society's standards, is really, really helpful. So combining these two, we need to listen to ourselves and then make a change. Yeah. I like it. Nice. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, if you have any ideas for future episodes, we have a question and answer on Spotify, or you can email us at podcast at paradigmhigh.org or DM us on Instagram at the paradigm pod. Um, and if you could please rate us five stars on iTunes, that would do us a wonder. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, Luke and, and uh, Emily. Uh, and to all of our listeners, keep engaging in great conversation. 